There are 55 days left until 2024, the time when people who are elected to office this week will actually take their positions. Election Day is one of the strangest days in the United States, a country where different political parties have sharply different approaches for how the government should work. Charlottesville community engagement is the result of a career that has included many days like today that are literally pivotal. Today is November 7th, 2023, and I'm Sean Tubbs. On today's program, Albemarle County Fire and Rescue want you to delay burning outdoors to avoid the spread of wildfire. The region's wine industry gets a major honor from a global trade publication. Charlottesville City Council marks the 160th year anniversary of First Baptist Church, West Main Street. A forthcoming report on recommendations for transit fuel sources will be delayed until after members of City Council can visit Montgomery County, Maryland. And City Manager Sam Sanders indicates he'll be back soon with a request for Council to invest in 80 supportive housing units at Premier Circle. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, WTJU provides great music for the community every hour of the week, including live performance broadcasts by area artists. Get your calendar ready to mark down some of those times. Every third Saturday, WTJU hosts Third Rail, a live music series that pushes genre boundaries. On November 18th, the station will host Free Pony, a post-punk quartet from Charlottesville. This concert and all other Third Rail programs are broadcast live on WTJU, live video streaming at WTJU's YouTube channel, and are free for anyone to attend in person at 2244 Ivy Road. And every Friday night, WTJU hosts a live music series called Offbeat Roadhouse, featuring mostly acoustic artists, folks, blues, jazz, Americana, and beyond. This Friday features reggae artist Mighty Joshua, recorded at the Black Business Expo in September. But almost all Fridays feature a live concert that is free and open to the public. Check out the schedule at WTJU.net for more information. Wildfires in Madison County and other parts of Virginia continue to burn, and conditions are dry enough that their possible spread is a major concern. As such, Albemarle County has issued a countywide warning to discourage outdoor fires. Here's a section from an alert sent out this morning. During this burn advisory, residents are advised to exercise caution when doing any outdoor burning and to comply with county burn regulations. The notice points out that most of Albemarle County is in the moderate drought stage and that no significant rainfall is expected until later in the week. If you can, please wait until conditions change for any open air burning on your property. The National Integrated Drought Information System reports that this is the 31st driest year from the last 129 years of measurement. Through the end of September, rainfall in Albemarle was four and a quarter inches below normal level. The Virginia Department of Forestry this morning reports a total of 39 fires covering 6,526.3 acres across the Commonwealth. The Quaker Run fire to the west of Kriglersville is the largest active blaze in the state, with a total of 2,480 acres as of this morning, and was considered to be 40% contained. 
The Monticello American Viticultural Area has surpassed four other regions across the world to be named Wine Region of the Year by a major publication. Here's a portion of the article announcing the award. For its place in American wine history and ability to move toward a future of wine style diversity and consumer inclusivity, Wine Enthusiast is proud to honor Charlottesville as the 2023 Wine Region of the Year Wine Star Award. Collectively, the wineries have not only been adapting to climate change, but have also implemented numerous initiatives to mitigate it as well, from implementing solar panel and composting programs to championing biodiversity in the vineyards and cultivation of hybrid varieties. The Charlottesville and Albemarle Convention and Visitors Bureau announced the award locally, which goes collectively to the dozens of wineries that make up the Monticello Wine Trail. That organization's website argues that this area is one of the first places in colonized North America where winemaking began. In a quote in a press release, Brantley Ussery, CACVB's Director of Marketing and Public Relations, said that Thomas Jefferson had a vision that this area could be a region teeming with grapevines, and he even tried growing his own grapes. It took a lot longer for that to come to fruition. The other nominees for Wine Region of the Year are Lambrosco, Italy, Provence in France, Swartland in South Africa, and Victoria, Australia. In all, Wine Enthusiast has 13 categories in its 24th annual award program. The Wine Enthusiast announcement also notes that this area's weather patterns are changing and members of the Monticello Wine Trail are seeking to become more resilient. Collectively, the wineries have not only been adapting to climate change, but have also implemented numerous initiatives to mitigate it as well from implementing solar panel and composting programs to championing biodiversity in the vineyards and cultivation of hybrid varieties. Barbersville Vineyards in Orange County was one of five finalists for American Winery of the Year, but the award went to Black Stallion Estate Winery in Napa, California. Two months after President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation in January of 1863, around 800 black members of Charlottesville Baptist Church completed a petition asking to form a separate congregation. Over 160 years later, Charlottesville City Council has marked that occasion with a proclamation. Here's Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade. The story of First Baptist Church, West Main Street of Charlottesville, began before the Civil War when congregants worshiped together under segregated conditions. Wade said the request was granted, and five years later, the new congregation was able to purchase what was known as either the Mudwall Building or the Delavan Hotel. That structure was demolished in 1876, and a new building was completed in 1883. After the Civil War, the First Baptist Church was instrumental in holding um, instructions within its walls, hereby, whereby hundreds of formerly enslaved people were educated and members have been the forefront of, of race relation, relations for nearly a century, um, instrumental in establishing the local NAACP chapter, um, integrating patients of the University of Virginia, serving on local boards and commission and remaining active, actively involved in the community. The proclamation was received by Dom Gathers, a member of the church. The church has only been there for 160 years through God's grace and his grace. So we, we are truly thankful. Uh, we would like to actually officially invite each and every one of you all 
to come out and join in our 160th anniversary next week, uh, Sunday the 12th. For more information on the anniversary service, visit First Baptist Church West Main's Facebook page. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out, this year the Rivanna Conservation Alliance had a large number of community volunteers take part in the Rivanna River Roundup. On September 16th, 270 people joined in to help clean up over 28 miles of river and trail. They collected over 202 bags of trash. You can take a look at the photo gallery on their website at rivanna-river.org, and while you're there, you can learn more about the restoration plan for Riverview Park in Charlottesville. Consider volunteer opportunities, review recent monitoring reports, consider a donation. All of that is accessible at rivanna-river.org. Two more stories to go today, both of which come from a short city council that has lots of information. The public transportation system operated by Charlottesville has been engaged in a consultant-led study to determine what fuel should be used in the future to help the city meet its goals to be fossil-free by 2050. The firm Kimley Horn last gave an update to City Council in July, and a final report with recommendations had been expected sometime this fall. However, City Manager Sam Sanders said that that is now being delayed until January 16th. So the goal would be for uh, there to be uh, sufficient time for that information to be made public so that others can take a look at it and, of course, for council to have some time with it because it will lead to some big decisions. As we've been discussing, uh, any transformation of a fleet of the size that we have is going to be very expensive and we need to make sure that we take the appropriate steps and we think through that in the best way that we can. Sanders said the city is also trying to schedule a site visit to Montgomery County, Maryland, for council and others to tour a transit system that is making the transition to electric buses through a public-private partnership. Here's a section from an October 31, 2022 press release announcing the completion of charging infrastructure. Montgomery County has an aggressive goal to transition its fleet, including buses and maintenance vehicles, to zero carbon emissions by 2035. For comparison to Charlottesville, Montgomery County has a population of over a million people and is embedded within the combined statistical area of Baltimore-Washington-Arlington, which has a 2021 population estimate of nearly 10 million people. Charlottesville's metropolitan population is estimated at about 223,534, according to the 2021 American Community Survey. Sanders said more details will be revealed about that upcoming trip. Several people spoke to encourage council to make their decision now to proceed immediately to deploy vehicles with electric batteries before the report is finished. Here is Maria Duster, the Climate Justice Policy Manager for the Community Climate Collaborative. The pollution that diesel buses emit has been linked to heart and lung problems as well as premature death. Vulnerable populations, especially black, brown, and low-income folks, are disproportionately affected by these pollutants. First engineering student at the University of Virginia, Lucas Schatz, had a specific proposal in mind. 
I propose that the city of Charlottesville maintain 36 diesel buses while simultaneously revamping its fleet with 22 new battery electric expansion buses, complete with fast and or en route charging over the next five years. More details about the upcoming trip in future editions of the newsletter, because we're going to get that before the report. It's been nearly three years since the Albemarle Board of Supervisors approved a rezoning on the former Red Carpet Insight on US-29 to allow for the eventual construction of 140 units of low-income housing to be built by several nonprofit groups. The site of the former motel had been used as an emergency shelter for the unhoused during COVID, but the shelter closed this spring after funds ran out and to prepare for the redevelopment. Virginia's supportive housing seeks to build 80 units in a similar fashion to the 60 units that they built at the crossings at 4th Street in the early 2010s. Ongoing funding for that project depend on federal housing vouchers being assigned to the site. City Manager Sam Sanders had an update on Monday. That project has uh, a budget gap, and that budget gap right now is $1.4 million, and they are short 40 vouchers to be able to move forward on the project as planned. Sanders said the city has so far not contributed a great amount and that he's in conversations with Albemarle County about providing funds to fill the gap so the project can break ground in May. Uh, 80 units of permanent supportive housing is a big deal. It is an important uh, piece to our puzzle as to how we continue to support what is happening in our community as it relates to those individuals who are struggling to maintain a household of their own. Sanders said this is separate from his desire to help fund a project for a full-time emergency shelter. Piedmont Housing Alliance seeks to build an additional 60 units at what is known as Premier Circle. A third building is slated to be constructed for the future for commercial use to help fund the overall project. You can learn more at a link in the newsletter. But here we are again at the end of another edition, number 598. And could this be the week in which there will be five consecutive days of this podcast? Maybe. Stay tuned. I'm fueled by the notion that there's no longer a daily newspaper that serves the city of Charlottesville. And all of the 598 editions of this newsletter, as well as the 235 editions of the Week Ahead newsletter, are prologue for whatever comes next. Consider becoming a paid subscriber through Substack to help make this happen. Ting will match your initial payment. Thanks today to Doug Eddy and Jen Finazzo for their contribution to the podcast version. Jen wants you to know about Fiori Floral Studio, and I'm hoping that Doug will have given me his shout-out before the time I hit publish. I neglected to tell the copy editor in time for today's program, so hopefully I didn't mess up too much. Ting is a good thing. I'm just going to leave it there and say goodbye. My gosh, did you hear that? That's the construction at the school next door. Everything's fine. It's like this all the time. That's why my voice is shot. Thank you and goodbye.